and welcome to Game Breaking Feature, the podcast where we analyze and discuss common elements of modern video game design and development. My name is Stephen Bennett, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about emotes, those little actions that allow your avatar to express itself through waving, clapping, laughing, dancing, or crouching repeatedly over the corpse of a fallen foe as a sign of respect. To help me discuss emotes is a man who could always be found dancing for tips in Final Fantasy XI. Bring your dollar bills up to the stage. It's my good friend Jared Bruner. Jared, how you doing, man? Doing well. Hold on while I Google how to floss dance. No. Oh, God. How to floss dance a parent's guide. I'll no, check that out go. later. I'll check that out later. Don't you? Don't. Don't do it. It's funny you brought up Final <laughs> Fantasy uh, 11. I was a, uh, I, when we played that game in its heyday, I was a, it was a Taru Taru. Was that the, the, the race? That was them. Mm-hmm. And I was a bard. And so I would, I would play instruments. And dance. And some people would dance. Yeah, and I'm sure there was dancing involved. And people would actually tip. This was Final Fantasy XI was a weird time. It was. It was. You could you could dance for tips and portals to other countries. Now, Jared, your Steven. your your state is currently burning to the ground. Yep. And if I'm if I'm if I'm uh, seeing this correctly, you're actually literally on fire as we're recording this. Yeah, but you know the show must go on, so okay, good. we're here. And we're talking in, <laughs> about important things like yeah. um, microtransactions and uh, emotes and, mm-hmm. and, and DLCs. I, I, brought, I bring it up jokingly, but I just want to say I'm, I'm glad you're safe. Everyone out there in California. I mean, this episode, <laughs> the fires will probably be long out by the time this. Episode oh, no, there'll be up, another but, fire. Oh, I'm it's sure. A different one. <laughs> it's just perpetually on fire at this point. But stay safe. Stay safe out there, everyone. Hopefully, uh, by the time this episode goes out, everyone's made it through the the fires and everything all right. And hopefully, everyone's pets and possessions and family and everything are all are all doing all right. But Jared, we have a wonderful guest. He's joining us again. You might remember he's the host of the Spawn on Me podcast, and I'll say it again, a, like a, a personal inspiration for me and my podcasting. Please welcome back to the show, Khalif Adams. Khalif. Welcome back, Gents. man. How you doing? Gents, thank you so much for he having returns. me. I, I, I want to apologize right off the bat because it's been a minute. We have been chatting in the, in the background, trying to get together so we can do the show, and life has just been all over the place. So I apologize for not being able to be on earlier, uh, but life has been moving Dude. at an unreasonable clip at this point. Sir, I'm super excited to be back, and thank you so much for having me. Sir, no apologies necessary. I completely understand. I'm glad we were able to finally make this work out, but please don't feel bad about any of that stuff. I'm glad you're busy. You started a new job. That's a new thing, right? Yeah. How's that going? Yeah. Uh, it's busy. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting. Uh, I was doing it over at Amazon for a little bit, uh, for about a year and some change. Uh, and then I found a wonderful gig over at Intel, uh, where I'm a gaming technical marketing engineer. I have it's so many words in the title that it, you always wind up flipping them around. Um, and that's been an interesting transition to kind of working in the press side of things with spawn on me and doing it stuff is kind of been the backbone of most of my working life to now doing, uh, work with Intel on the VR and esports side of things. So that's, that's a a pretty big transition, but it's been amazingly fun so far. I have a good crew over there in the team and it's just been interesting to like go back into a different work life having done something very specific for like almost 10 years so yeah it's been fun it's been fun long long transitions long commutes but it's been really dope what exactly are you doing like what what is a day in the life of khalif at work like now because it sounds it sounds like a like a pretty dope job but i want to know like what exactly what's going on 
Well, it's so early that I don't know yet. Um, but <laughs> but currently, the way that I kind of tell people the elevator pitch of my gig is, I am helping to hopefully give information to consumers that they can use to make good decisions when they purchase Intel stuff and not Intel stuff. Um, it's mostly testing. Um, so right now, currently, I do some testing of some titles and stuff um, just to see how they kind of, you know, how they work and, and, and how they compare to other ones. And some of those are VR titles. Some of those are not. Um, but it's it's basically that. It's mostly testing so far. And then I'm hoping to be able to kind of expand that out to other stuff. But it's so early right now that I'm still like doing orientation stuff. Uh, so it's 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 a lot of things that get covered under the VR and ER, uh, eSports space. I'm just trying to figure out exactly what they want me to kind of bring um, to the table with the stuff that I already know. Was Spawn on Me, your, your involvement with that and your involvement elsewhere in the gaming community, is that a part of why you were, you were brought into Intel, into this position? Or is that just sort of a coincidence that those two things kind of lined up? It absolutely helps. I don't think I would have been able to get this job without Spawn on Me being a thing. You know, Spawn on Me has helped to push me into the gaming industry in a real way. Besides the press stuff, I've been able to do a whole bunch of speaking engagements and, you know, being able to network basically for five years um, and meet amazing people who are, who absolutely helped me to, you know, meet the folks who I met at Intel and to, you know, put me in rooms to have conversations with folks about work. Um, you know, those things absolutely helped to kind of get into the door here. Um, so Spawn of Me absolutely was, was, was a huge part of making a transition from, you know, doing what I'm doing on the show while still doing it and also kind of, you know, being a part of this part of the industry. Well, congrats, man. Congrats on the on the, the new gig. I'm, I'm glad you were able to make it work. Before we jump into our topic of emotes, there's one other thing I wanted to talk to you about briefly, Khalif. Yeah. I've been I've been buzzing about the movie. Sorry to bother you ever since ever <laughs> since ever since I saw it in the theater. But you, Khalif had an awesome opportunity to actually do a screening and interview Boots Riley. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I can tell you just how much I love that movie. If you watch, if you look at my Twitter <laughs> handle right now, oh, I saw. There's a very specific oh, I reference saw. To, to some stuff in there. Um, how did that yeah. come about? How did that come about? How did you end up in that in that situation where you were you were doing that? So the dope folks over at Annapurna Interactive, I've met some of those folks over the past couple of years. Um, I w- I'd met some of the actual full team when they first were, were kind of debuting as a publishing studio, like mm-hmm. five or six years, maybe four or five years ago, fairly early when I started podcasting and doing some of that work. And I remember Hector Sanchez, who moved over from NetherRealm over to do stuff with Annapurna. I was a huge fan of his. I loved his community management style. I loved the way that he kind of worked uh, when he was doing stuff on the Mortal Kombat games because I'm a huge fan of NetherRealm games and was kind of trying to follow where his career was going. I was like, where is he doing stuff? Because I think like he's always been amazingly insightful and then he's always been really dope um, in terms of um, kind of putting himself in good positions to see where the future is kind of leading to and like getting in, in tune and getting with good studios who are like doing dope work. Um, and I met him and another, another cat named Jeff from the team uh, some years ago, who was working at PlayStation at the time. And I, you know, the industry is small, right? It's like, I was having a good run at GDC last year. I was doing a lot of appearances with stuff. I was doing a lot of panels at GDC. 
um, got on um, kind of funny and did the show with Greg. Uh, did the stuff with um, did a show with what good what's good games over with Andrea and the rest of the crew. And you know, at a certain point, like sometimes people just kind of like, hey, so who is this cat like doing stuff? <laughs> who's that guy we and see everywhere? Who's that guy like doing a whole bunch of stuff and is kind of all over the place? Who's that exceedingly handsome gentleman we see all over the place? (laughs) I mean, Greg is a really handsome man. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But it's and I and I feel like that maybe was a spark for it. Plus, you know, like again, like folks are in in good circles, and I feel like if you put out good work and put out good energy into the world, like sometimes those things come back to you in in good ways. And he they hit me up and they were like, "Yo, we're doing this really cool thing. Um, It's gonna be happening at, at E3." I think it was 83 I, this this month. I mean, this year has been a blur. I think it was, I think it was um, around E3. Yeah. It was around E3. Uh, we're doing this really cool crossover with Annapurna pictures. They're coming out with sorry to bother you and sorry to bother you. I'd seen trailers for it months ago, months prior to this whole thing going down. And I was like, this is going to be the movie that I want to see the most this year. Mm-hmm. Like I remember seeing those trailers and I was like, whatever this is, it's going to be dope. Lakeith is in it. Uh, you know, like Danny Glover's in it. Like, all this craziness and it was a story that i knew like it was like i've lived the story of those characters of that main character in my real life you know what i mean like i worked in you know phone banks and and phone Mm -hmm. centers and had to put on my white voice and do all this other stuff so like that story automatically rang true to me and i was like whatever this is is going to be dope whatever a couple months later i get this email that's like yo we're doing this project you're going to do this crossover thing we don't really do game stuff they don't really touch a lot the verticals don't really touch but we'd like to do that stuff. We want you to host it. And I was like, yo, what? <laughs> okay. So at first, I didn't know that Boots was going to be a part of it. Like, I thought it was just going to be me hosting a screening, me get up and talk about, you know, introduce the thing, share what I thought about it, and then, you know, do it for a room full of people. And then I was like, they like, oh, no, Boots is going to be there, and you're going to interview him. I was like, yo, you're out of your mind. <laughs> I was like, you're out. I was like, you're bug-. Like, it was me, like a little kid at my email, just like, oh, snap. Oh, snap. I can't believe this is going to happen. This is going to be dope. I'm going to be the cat who wrote this thing. Plus, Boots is like a dude, if you are into any form of activism, like you know who Boots Riley is. Mm -hmm. You know about the music from the coup and all that stuff. And I was like even more excited to be able to like get in a room and talk to him. And it was so dope. Like it's such a surreal thing to have like a director of a movie hang out and watch you watch their movie. Mm Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's super weird. <laughs> it's super weird because it's just like you don't know how to react for them, especially because it's like black movies don't get a lot of love. Like black movies don't make a lot of money because of a whole bunch of different reasons. Uh, and to, for for that movie to be as strong as it was in the first scene, in the, in the first viewing of it, knowing that this was going to be a movie that a lot of people wanted to see and we were going to get to see it early. I was super hyped. I was like, yo, I was telling everybody in Spawn of Me crew, I was like, yo, we're going to go do this thing. Y'all are going to come. <laughs> I don't care what else, other other stuff you have to do for the E3. You better roll through. You got to come through. <laughs> and it was fantastic. Like, Boots is a really interesting dude. Oh, for sure. Like, you both know, because you've done interviews with the show for a long time. And you understand at this point that there are some guests that you just have to let go. Like, you're just like, you're, you run. Sure. Like, you start the conversation. <laughs> You let them kind of get into their pocket, let them get into their groove. And then if you see that you don't need to say anything because they're just that good, you just let them run. And that was that interview with, with him. That's awesome. There's been like two interviews where that's ever happened to me where I feel like I didn't have to do any work. It was Boots Riley 
And it was, oh my goodness, why does his name, Gordon Bellamy. Gordon Bellamy in the industry is, uh, he's like an OG cat that I had a chance to interview at the Xbox uh, Blacks and Gaming event last year at GDC. And he's been industry vet. He's worked at EA. He's worked at all these wonderful places. And you throw a microphone in his face and he is just fine. He's like, whatever. (laughs) It's the best. It's just like, oh, you're still here? Just hang out for 10 more minutes. I got more 10. I got 10 more minutes to go. And it's fantastic. And Boots is fantastic. Now, after doing that that interview with Boots, do you have anything else in the pipeline like that? Or was that kind of like a one-time deal? Or does Intel, do they have any sort of like freedom for you to for you to go out and do more stuff like that no i wish there were um i love stuff like that like it's been a lot of thinking about what's the next step for me personally in this in this space and Mm -hmm. and i always want to continue to do more forward-facing things i i really got i really do get a kick now out of being on camera and doing on-camera work now which was a thing i never thought i'd be be able to do or want to do and I'm hoping for more opportunities like that because I feel like I I think I feel like I did a pretty good job in most of the ones that I've done. I'm just trying to dethrone Greg Miller now. Like, <laughs> As a guy who's just everywhere. <laughs> he Greg is everywhere. Like I love you, Greg, but goddamn it, leave someone to play for everybody else. <laughs> um, because it's one of those things where I'm just like, damn, I could. Oh, Greg's doing it. <laughs> I wish I would. I wish I would do that one too. I was I was watching. Um, you were on the Giant Bomb show for e3 yeah yeah on their couch i I remember that i was like is that khalif back there (laughs) i was like hell yeah just showing up dude that was me too i was like is that khalif back there (laughs) (laughs) is that me i was like is that me that's awesome like it's funny i haven't i haven't looked at that video yet because i feel like i'm gonna freak out when i still watch it (laughs) like i still can't believe that that was thinking i was telling the story about how i ripped my pants at e3 and it was it was it was like i'm sitting here hanging out with jeff gersman like i remember it was like maybe two or three years ago. They did a, they did a show. I think it was either at GDC or some other other conference. Maybe it was at PAX. They did a PAX thing. And I've been a huge fan of Giant Bomb, folks. Oh, they're, they, they're they like have celebrities no idea. to me. If I saw them in the street, I would be so psyched. Yeah, like I, I you have no, this. It's this year has been fairly surreal in terms of like getting to meet some of your heroes, and it's been one of those things that like I can tell Jeff Gersman how much I love him in my heart <laughs> and it and i know it'll be like a fanboy moment and i don't give a shit i don't care <laughs> this is for me because i love like like i love jeff like jeff i want to hang out with jeff so bad in real ways because i know that every conversation is just going to be super chill that gonna he be has a like encyclopedic knowledge of like the most obscure video game stuff he's just been and that's the thing is like so long doing this I don't even want to talk to him about games. I want to talk to him about music. Yeah, sure, yeah. Because like Jeff is a hip hop head, and and a sneaker. And that's the thing too, that a lot. Used to be. He's a yeah. He's a sneakerhead. Like I didn't know that he was a sneakerhead. I am not a sneakerhead, but I was just like, dude, like I am so thankful because like Alex Navarro Navarro hit me up to like invite me to come on the show, which automatically I was like, oh, yo, nice. Alex Navarro <laughs> slid it slid into my DMs and like hit me up. I was like, oh my god, I can't believe this because I'm a huge like I love Alex too because like Alex is like. Alex still embodies what New York is for me. Oh yeah, um, just just kind of like cynically, like kind of jaded, yeah. but also like really interesting yeah. to talk to. I love him. Like I'm dying to talk to him and get him on the show. And Vinny's super nice. It, it it was really surreal to like walk in that door and see all these see all these cats who I've been fans of for decades, I bet. and be like, I'm gonna sit in the thing and just talk to y'all for a hot second. Like it's it's weird. Like the gaming industry when you get to do stuff like that is just weird. 
there's more and there's more stories like that that are just like you roll into a room and it's like oh crap that's that person oh crap that's that person how the hell am i here <laughs> i was in my i was on my my dining room table five years ago <laughs> what am i doing spitting talking into a microphone dude khalif following your journey has has been really dope man it's it's good to see good things happening for you i'm i'm super stoked that you're getting all these opportunities man so thank you brother i appreciate great things congratulations now i gotta i gotta put a I gotta put a time limit on jared because he'll just talk about giant bomb for an entire episode if we let him (laughs) giant bomb discussion hour (laughs) no jared i'm not gonna let you do it instead instead what i'm gonna make you do jared is teach this podcast a lesson right about the about the history of emotes Emotes. we can we can dive into the meat let's do it jared what do we got well, uh, one of the earliest examples we could find uh, was from a Neo Geo game called The Art of Fighting. It came out in 1992, uh, developed and published by SNK. They made they made a lot of uh, arcade games at the time. This one came out for uh, the Neo Geo console, and it's it's pretty standard fighting game. It introduced the spirit gauge, which kind of depleted as as you as you were fighting in, during the match, and as that match as that gauge kind of got lower you would become weaker. Your special attacks wouldn't be as good. Uh, but it also had a taunt button, which c- you could use to reduce your opponent's spirit gauge, and it would give you a light gameplay advantage so they wouldn't uh, you know, have, have full full power on that. Have you guys ever played this? I am not a fighting game fan, so this is way off my radar. I was actually going to say, because I know, I know Khalif uh, at least follows some of the fighting game scene. Uh, I was curious, mm-hmm. Khalif, do you have any experience with Art of Fighting? Oh, I love this game. This is, I remember now that I'm looking because I'm visual, so like sometimes I have to look stuff up. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I remember that cover. It was that fake Van Damme dude on the front. <laughs> it, was, it, was like, it was such a good game. Like Neo Geo Fighters were super fun. Yeah, they they have a look. It, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. It definitely had its own, you know, aesthetic that was really really cool, and it was also really weird because it was like you could see that everyone was kind of borrowing from everyone else mm-hmm. in that. In that early '90s fighting game genre, it was like, oh, okay, so you pull this from here, or you pull that from this particular. I game. mean, there's like a Ken and uh, a Ryu like on the box, basically. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh yeah. If you look at like their lineup, it's like, oh, this is this is Street Fighter. I remember this game too, but I remember being horrible at it. So that that's about yeah. all I remember from this one. That's what I remember when I played yep. any fighting game. Huge, huge fan of this game. I remember it very, very, very well. Do you remember the taunting in the game? Do Do you remember using that to any sort of advantage? Because I, I imagine, like, you know, in modern fighting games, um, I'm probably going to dive into some lingo that people might not be super familiar with. But there's there's the idea of the knockdown, which is when you, you put a player prone on the ground after a combo or a grab or whatever. And in those in those times, a lot of players will do setups or other things. I'm a big Injustice fan. So that's when play, a lot of people will activate trait or build some gauge. I'm curious when the taunting was most advantageous in this game, because I never I never played it enough to to get familiar with that part of it. Yeah, I never really taunted in fighting games much. I was more of a up-down, up-down taunter. I will not say <laughs> uh, the word. That's a good one. I'm not going to use the word. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that there. in a little bit. We'll talk about that yeah, in a little bit because we'll, I think we'll that's, talk about that I think that's important. It, it is important. It is, it is in the pantheon of, of taunts at this point. Um, but, but yeah, like I never really used taunts in those games because I was too focused on trying to beat your behind. Like... I, me trying to showboat in that game was me was me getting you off the machine. But the interesting thing about taunting in this game is that it actually served a function in the game. It wasn't just like, uh, hey, I'm going to try and get you riled up 
like the uh, the up down up mm-hmm. down motion that Khalif was talking about. It's not just like a, <laughs> like a hey, I'm a, I'm gonna try and get you heated so you you know you're not as quick on your buttons. So that game came out in 1992. A few years later, in 1999, we get to EverQuest on the PC. It was EverQuest for those who I don't know who isn't familiar with EverQuest anymore. Although there are probably listeners out there who were born after this game came out at this point. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it was uh, one of the first most, it was the most successful MMO of that generation. RPG defined classes, healer, tank, DPS, pretty much what you would think of when you think of, of a standard MMO these days. But similar to IRCs and text MUDs, which we've, we brought up in the past, uh, you could type like a, a forward slash followed by like an, uh, an action and like, you know, forward slash point, forward slash kick or dance. And, and those things, uh, your, your avatar would, would do those things. I don't believe in EverQuest they had any gameplay implications other than, you know, helping helping role play and stuff like that. Exactly. Or if you're sta- was... if you're just standing in town, just put your guy in dance and walk away. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it had a dance. It must have had a dance emote. The stuff I see now, at some point, is... right? It's, it's an MMO, so they added stuff to this game all the time. Well, the stuff I see now is like people had taken a lot of the the pre-scripted stuff like waving, pointing, sitting, whatever it is, and they had come up with with dances of their own. Sure. Like they combine yeah, all the, that stuff into like some choreographed dance where all these characters in town are doing the same thing. I mean, EverQuest was out long enough and people played it long enough. I'm sure all kinds of stuff like that happened. People creating macros. Yeah, macros macros are cool. I, I remember Final Fantasy XI had some had some good macros. We'll, we'll get into that a little later, but I, I remember macros were a big deal in that one. As we, as we sort of like get into more modern examples of this, uh, Halo for Xbox, the Halo Combat Evolved, the first one, uh, came out in 2001, and um, this is where everything goes bad. This is where... Um, <laughs> This is where it ends. Competitiveness kind of takes over. Damn you, and, Al uh, Gore, for inventing the internet. Why have you done this to us? Um, Al Gore invented teabagging in online games. That is a fact. Look it up. But yeah, that, that was a thing. You know, you, you kill your opponent and then you go over and, and squat on their on their corpse. And that was a, a way to taunt. It wasn't really built into the game as, as anything, but that was one way to express yourself uh, in a first-person competitive shooter. I wonder, if, I wonder if the person who was the first person to do that is somewhere around who feels really like yeah. happy or sad yeah, about like, their contributions. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> yeah, like like I wonder if that person is like tormented anytime he sees it. He's like, oh, what did I do? Like, <laughs> what have like, I you done? Know, I, I saw, what have I done? I saw a really great post on the, the Destiny subreddit the other day where someone was like, after I killed you, if it looked like I I was teabagging you, I'm very sorry. I was trying to dodge roll as a hunter. <laughs> That's <what laughs> like got online. They got online to, to apologize to the internet. Who yeah. is actually teabagging? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, if, if we look at Halo and, and and that, I guess we can sort of put a, a, a modern footprint on. I guess where emotes went to in in that time since 2001. I guess. Um, no, it's hard to say because not every game has them it is. And, and, and they implement them in, in different ways in a lot of instances. Well, I think that Halo, I mean, Halo did some things, right? Like after you got killed, your camera stayed positioned on the person who killed you. Um, mm. They were able to interact with your corpse a little bit. Um, so it, it provided an opportunity for people to express themselves in this way that might not necessarily be very respectful. It's not risk. Let's just say it's not risk. It's not re- <laughs> not respectful. 
<laughs> I so mean, it was, it's kind of fun to do to your friends in the, the same most, room. There right? was couch oh no, up. and and it, dude, and if you tilt someone off the face of the earth, there's it, it does provide an advantage. Sure, yeah. Like there's there's no denying that it's if you get someone thing. angry enough, their gameplay <laughs> suffers because of it. Um, um, unfortunately, but, that has escalated infinitely. <laughs> but I, I think, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I think that this highlights maybe why emotes became important. And, and we can get into this a little bit later, but I think that that expressing yourself in this way that's like so viscerally disrespectful is why we saw emotes go the direction that they went today. Developers realized players wanted to have an opportunity to express themselves, but also realized they had to kind of rein it in in certain ways. Otherwise, you just end up with some, you know, with a lot of like vulgar expression online, which is not necessarily wanted by everybody who plays video games on coincidentally 2001 was around the time that i started turning my mic off and muting everybody exactly <laughs> but, that, isn't that the, around the time that uh microsoft xbox private chat became a real thing oh, or was that before i don't I'm not, i don't remember i was i was always a, a playstation only gamer back then ah, so okay. i didn't really i didn't really mess with the xbox too much but it, I remember they it, were the ones they were the first ones to like jump on the party chat. Yeah, it's all that stuff kind of seemed to come out of like the Xbox online integration because um, PS2 didn't really have a good system for that. Well, and then I mean, not well, I guess maybe it was a little while after that, but <laughs> you know, like in in Halo, the camera stays positioned on the person who got the kill. I remember in like Modern Warfare, they let you hear the person that you killed for like several seconds after you killed them. Like oh their mic would just oh, kick nightmares. on for a few seconds. Dude, yes. it was. It was it was literally just like just nothing but vulgarity, profanity, everything you can think of, like after you killed someone. I'm not gonna lie. Splinter Cell Mercs versus Spies. Oh, deep cut. with proximity chat was the best feature of all features in <laughs> every game. Proxim dude, proximity, dude, proximity chat, chat is I can kind of get on board with, except for in a like a PUBG lobby. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. God, no. Oh, God, no. <laughs> but in, in trying to define emotes, Khalif, when, I, when, I, when we talk about video game emotes, what springs to your mind first? Oh, man. Just like small, it goes from like small versions of it to like thumbs up to, you know, in terms of just like what, which, which specific ones are you talking about or just like which games you're talking about? I mean, no, I, when I say emote, like what does what does the term emote evoke in you? Does it do, is it something as simple as like if you stand your character still for a couple seconds, they tap their foot, or do you immediately think of oh. the, the dancing and stuff that it's become today? Yeah, like I feel like it's any deliberate motion that has been programmed into the game to express a communication. I feel like it was it was the way to communicate without using words or audio. You know what I mean? Like it was yeah. a way to, you know, like I'm going over here, follow me. Right. Or, you know, thumbs up, you're doing well, or, you know, you're not, you're not an enemy. So it's, it's, those are things that when I think of emotes, that's the first things I think of. And then you branch that out into what Fortnite has become with its emote system and all that kind of stuff. And that's been like, you know, then taking over cultural references and, and you know, mm -hmm. programming and, and animating those things into, into stuff to not indicate any real, like, communication stuff but just like uh, kinship in some ways where it's just like you know i have a dance you have a dance whatever this dance is doing is whatever that dance is doing. <laughs> yeah does teabagging get removed from that definition for you like you don't consider sort of um i don't know, like improvised character movements as part of emotes i don't i think that those are very i think those are very different like i think if you if it, i think of emotes as being things that have been 
actually crafted by the development team. Like they can be simple things. They can be simple motions or simple gestures. But I feel like they have been animated and they have been, you know, assets have gone to making those things, whatever they are, you know, like, cause you can mm-hmm. shoot, like you could shoot bullets into a wall and make a smiley face. That's not an emote, you know? Yeah. So it's like that one. That's a good one. So it's like, you know, you can, you can do all those things, but if it's not something I feel like was pre-programmed into the game itself, that is supposed to be a form of nonverbal communication. And I don't think it really counts as an emote in my mind. I I like that you kept it PG with the smiley face and definitely not a dick, which is what most people (laughs) shoot into walls. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Get a little insight into Steve's early gaming years. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I know. I mean, I'm sure. I definitely know I'm this sure from personal they're... experience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I'm sure. I'm sure. If you look at you, you know, you pull the camera way back out, and you see like sixty to seventy people standing in a row or standing in the formation, like they're at a, a college football game at halftime, and they're in the formation of a dick. Like that's still not an emo. <laughs> it's 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 well choreographed and coordinated. It's not an emo. What, nice if, what if they're all doing the together. floss dance? <laughs> if they're all doing the floss dance while in in, for, in dick formation, then then it, well, hmm. I gotta talk to the nearest high school marching band on that one. I think that sounds like a good idea. I live right next to a school. There you so go. I, you, I, you I may I may just throw that out. Pitch there some ideas. Scream it out. It, it, it hey guys, like can you all just stand in the form of a dick? <laughs> <laughs> they would love it. I'm sure. I'm sure the police will come after yeah. you. Really <laughs> I honestly, I think the first time I remember using emotes was in Wow. To be honest, I, I remember using the set emote when whenever we're waiting around to get to get a raid group together or a dungeon group together. World of, World of Warcraft, not Final Fantasy Eleven. <sighs> I don't know. We, I guess we, I did we played a lot of Final Fantasy Eleven a little bit before, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't remember using them heavily, other than like people were like forcing me to dance because I was a cute taru taru and trying to. They were trying to whore me out for. You got to make middle. that tip money. I know. No, I I loved the emotes in Final Fantasy Eleven. See, I, they don't stick because, out to me. That's why I didn't really think about it because I don't well, really remember and, any of them. And maybe this gets into where the our definition for emote get, maybe gets a little muddy. And maybe I'm kind of conflating it with macros. But one of the one of the nice things that Final Fantasy Eleven allowed you to do was create custom macros where you could I do remember coordinate, that. you could coordinate ability. You know, like you could you could activate abilities. You could activate text to pop up in the chat for your group and you could activate sound effects so it would like make a whistle sound for everyone in your team when your uh, ability was off cooldown so everyone knew to prepare for that next you know that, that you were ready for your next big attack but that was all done sort of through the the same system that the emotes were so that that's why i remember that's them there. I, and, I, I do and, like that i just I, I don't know maybe i never got deep enough to need much of that but there was also the adorable Taru Taru dancing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you had to throw him tips when you saw him <laughs> dancing. They were so adorable. You have to do it. <laughs> uh, what was your what was your first experience with emotes in a video game, Khalif? Man. Um hmm. It's always weird to think back on like, did you just do a thing when you just like, oh, let me this thing was mapped to this button. Let me just hit the button. Um I I remember certain ones specifically that I remember as being fun and that was like in Def Jam Fight for New York <laughs> like there were these taunts that you would do that were all emotes that were all like supposed to be like rapper rapper inspired emotes so like each rapper had their own personality so like you'd use Red Man or you'd use Method Man or whatever and you would be like I'm about to finish you off with my wrestling move 
and my wrestling taunt is like this really weird b-boy stance mixed with <laughs> some other kind of like thing that rappers would never do <laughs> you know it's just like why is why is why is method man doing like cheerleader shit <laughs> like that does he is he is not one to do this in real life but this is like one of and it's funny because it's it, it, thinking about that stuff right now it always reminded me thinking back to it that just like who are the folks who are working on this game and were there any brown people in the room when these things got decided? <laughs> and I'm and I'm thinking about it now and I'm like, there probably wasn't. I'm gonna leave like, no. No one no probably like no one was like, yo, Red Man is gonna do a pirouette. Like no one is gonna <laughs> like no. Red Man doesn't do pirouette. They actually brought him in and mocapped that? Yeah, yeah, like oh, yeah, oh my god, I would pay so much money to see someone mocap. <laughs> Red man doing a pirouette. That would be so dope. Like I would put I'd do a GoFundMe for that real fast. All right. Let's start it up. I'd be okay with it. But yeah, it's stuff like that. Um probably in some early shooters too. Like there were probably some things that were just like, you know, Rainbow Oh, you know what? Rainbow Six? Probably. Rainbow Six was one that I remember. Which one? Uh Vegas. Las Vegas. Uh, okay. I feel like that was right around the time when when emotes were sort of making the escape from the MMO sphere into other genres it was probably right yeah. around that time if you were to start if you were to map it out yeah 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 totally and it's and it was like you know you had the kind of military militaristic versions of whatever the emotes would be you know you put your fist into the air as a stop motion you know you know put your fingers and kind of move towards a direction to tell people to kind of go ahead um all those like non-verbal cues that you would have to kind of give people the ability to like all right this is what i'm going to do next Either you're coming with me or you're going to die because you're stupid. And not coming <laughs> um, so, yeah, stuff like that. Those are the things I definitely remember in, in, in early terms and being emotes. It's cool that that Rainbow Six allowed for that because that makes sense. Like in that world, that that's really neat. I never I never played it, so I don't have any personal experience with it. But that yeah. it seems like it seems cool because it, it not only makes sense thematically in that world, but also has pretty important, potentially important gameplay implications as well, which is which is also really cool. Yep. Other than Final Fantasy XI, what do you have any other earlier examples from your your gaming childhood? I don't, man. No, Final Fantasy XI was the first game I remember playing, and and when I was putting these show notes together, I was really racking my brain on like, what what did I play before Final Fantasy XI that had this stuff? But what did the Mortal Kombat games have like a move where you could just taunt and it didn't really do anything? Like I want to say, like maybe not the first two, maybe, but I feel like might- eventually there was like. You could just do a well, thing they were definitely and they would taunt and it was like pointless. Well, this might, but this well, might, they definitely had taunt. But this might go back to our definition of what an emote is because uh, let's, let's talk about Mortal Kombat for a second, right? Like Mortal Kombat, when the round is over, once you have already won, the game then allows you to do an input to brutally murder your opponent in the fashion of a fatality. And then later they added friendships and babalities and, and other things to humiliate your defeated opponent. But does that fall into this definition of emote? To me, it kind of feels like it should, right? Like it doesn't serve necessarily a, a gameplay purpose. It's all about evoking emotion from the other player or, or deriving a sense of satisfaction from your own accomplishments. I'm, I'm curious if that discussion was had when they were implementing the fatality system 
or if they were just like, hey, this is going to be fucking rad when we do this. Like, let's just make them like pull out a spine. Like, that's super cool. Because I, I don't know. Like, I just I, I don't see them sitting around and being like, they yeah, were, like, you know, this is an expression of player emotion. They're probably they were just so like, tame. Let's they were just... so tame back in the day, dude. <laughs> now you're talking about it. And it's like, I remember like an old fatality was you'd like cut someone's head off. And now, like, if, if that's all a fatality, what that's like, that's just normal gameplay now. Like, right, yeah. <laughs> player, players get players get decapitated mid round, and they Doing, keep going I mean, now somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I guess I don't know. Fatalities are kind of weird because it's kind of unique to the other realm games, right? I don't remember a whole lot of other games that, that went that direction, fighting games or otherwise. Yeah, I don't remember, but it, it is it is another example from another fighting game that. Maybe maybe there's something about fighting games. It was like that one-on-one experience where fighting games were, since very early on, interested in engaging with the other player outside of the game, right? Like trying to actually get into the other player's head became a big part of it with the taunts from all the way back in 1992 with Art of Fighting. That seems neat. Khalif, what are you, what are you playing right now that's got emotes in it, man? Are you, are you enjoying any games that uh, allow you to dance around? I've been playing some Fortnite and being bad at it. Um, been playing some Blackout on uh, uh, the new Call of Duty. They had so emotes in fun. There? Yeah. Uh-huh. What are they like? They have, are like, they all uh, in first person, or does it zoom out? It zooms out. It zooms out, puts you in third person, and then it's it's really awkward because they take really long. They're like too long, oh. and you can't like stop. You know what? I think I read an article where animation. people were kind of upset with that system because it was allowing them to peek around corners. They would just do an emote. And the other player couldn't see them, but they could use the camera angle oh, to see around corners. That's smart. That's super smart, actually. I don't, I don't think that's an intended use of that. <laughs> I'm using it now. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all the wins for me now. Um, that that's been something I've always kind of wrestling games all the time. Like, oh that's sure, always one. Of I mean, that's part of the game, right? That's part of wrestling. That's that's fifty percent. That's fifty percent of the game. Yeah, it's it's pretty much all of it. Um, <laughs> Uh, no Man's Sky, interesting has em- interestingly enough, has emotes in it. Is that a new addition since the uh, the next update, or had there always been emotes in there as if you were ever going to encounter other people? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. I think it was only in the next update because then you had people that you could play with. Yeah. No, it um, finally became a true yeah, multiplayer experience. Yeah. It's it, like we should probably add these. Now, do the emotes have um gameplay implications outside of multiplayer? Are you able to emote and interact with? other uh, like npcs or with um no no the npcs are useless Mm. in that game like they might as well just be like a a signpost they are they have like no personality which i was curious if if, i don't know if there was like an emote for i don't know calming down wildlife or something i remember grand theft auto 5 all their emotes were pretty interactive even when you weren't playing multiplayer like if you walked up to someone and you did the high five emote you do you guys would do a high five but one of the cool ones they had there was um i forget what it was called but you could actually try to calm people down it was like uh, like a hey calm down <laughs> so if people wanted to fight you you could actually in grand theft auto 5 this is no joke it, it was hidden away in all kinds of menus and shit but you could actually like talk a situation down without having to fist fight it out that's if you wanted to oh that's the- well that's very forward facing in red dead redemption 2 which is what the game that I am playing right now, where you can you lock on to NPCs and you can diffuse situations that way instead of escalating them. Now, is that handled in a way that you would classify as an emote? Because ha- having played a, a, a little bit of Red Dead, I haven't got into it too deep. To me, 
those kinds of interactions don't feel like emotes. Am I no, wrong? No, I I would say you were correct. And to me, it, it also does not feel like something I would classify as an emote. But in the context that we were just talking about in Grand Theft Auto Five, I don't know. It, it it might. I I would say the one thing that I wish that Red Dead Redemption Two had uh, regarding this is like you can greet everybody in the game. You you just hold down a button and you press the greet button. And you'll be like, "Ma'am, sir, howdy." You know, just say those kind of things. But he never tips his hat. I just want to tip my hat what? at people. Yeah. yeah. What? There's no hat tips. It's That's unplayable. That's an oversight. That's a huge oversight. Yeah. Game is we trash. Need to, trash. We need to get tip. those employees working 100-hour weeks again what were they and even hat tipping into this game. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just kidding. But was, uh, well, we'll see where that goes. Don't, don't with, overwork uh, your employees, please. We'll see where that goes with, you know, once they open up their multiplayer component to that game, because it's still not in yet. So I, I bet we'll see added emotes and probably going to be, be able to pay money for them if I had to put my I guess on it. For sure. Now, oh, absolutely. What game has your favorite use of emotes? Is there something you can think of as like being a good example of how emotes should be Im- implemented into games? Destiny. Destiny is the best version of emotes right now. Like I know people talk about talk about Fortnite in that respect because of all the kind of classic dances now that they've put into it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in Destiny itself, there are versions of emotes that are actually helpful especially if you're raiding for stuff and it's like how so i mean i I mean i would put it in terms of the same way that you kind of classified the ones that you had in final fantasy early in the in in the in the show Mm -hmm. it was like you know i'm sitting in here waiting for you or i'm going to you know uh especially in gambit and stuff there's like this weird space where right before you enter a match you can emote at different people yeah and you're like in these two uh closed off rooms and you can see each other um, and it's a weird level of like almost a step up three dance off mm-hmm. where you're just like standing in a room, like throwing up your hands like yo, I'm about to serve you. Uh, that stuff weirdly is interesting because it kind of showcases one, how long you've been kind of playing the game in some ways. Like the, the emote system has been in there where like if you see an old, old emote, you're like, oh, this person's oh, an gee. OG. They've been playing yeah. for a long time. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like even in even in the like gameplay settings when you're playing less in, in multiplayer, but you're more like doing uh, strikes and things like that, like being able to emote to be like, all right, so hold on for a second. Or, you know, uh, I've been, I've been away from Mike sometimes and have to throw up an emote. That's just like, um, like what's the one that I use to tell people I'm going away for a second. It's like, there's one you can like look at your watch kind mm, of emote. Yeah. That's a good one. And I'll throw that up and be like, yo, this is happening. Just throw a petty, people, the petting the chicken. Just like, yeah, oh, yeah, like, no, no, don't, you know, you know, like, don't go anywhere. I'm petting this chicken. Hold on. Yeah, second. I'm petting this chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't played Destiny in a while. What are they doing in there? <laughs> let me play this tramp. Let me play this trombone and I'll be right back. <laughs> okay, guys, guys, hear me out for a second. A, a dueling system, kind of like, wow. I think, I think Destiny had a dueling system, right? Where you could just like walk up and challenge someone. Am I wrong? Uh, no, um, no, not in, not in. Maybe I'm thinking of Borderlands. Borderlands, had Borderlands it. two, Borderlands so, two, Borderlands. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. A, a dual system, but instead it busts into like a rhythm game where you have da- there dance you go. off. There you go. Oh my God. You Why is that not in so a good. game yet? <laughs> Red Dead Two online mode. I want dance offs in high noon. Cowboy dance off town square. Oh God, it's gonna be like nothing, but it's gonna be whole servers full of people doing the cotton eye. Okay, oh, Rockstar, no. get in contact with me. I'm happy to sell that oh, idea to you. Oh God. 
I'm glad you brought up Gambit, Khalif, because I think Gambit is a, a really good example of where they made the best use of, of the emotes in that game, right? Because for a long time, yeah. you, you could acquire all of these emotes, but typically outside of sort of just killing time with friends, a lot of times you didn't get to show off your emotes to other people because there was just too much going on. And Gambit, that, that moment before the games where they put you the two teams facing one another separated by glass is such a good opportunity to emote. That's what everyone does in that, in that time. Cause you're just, you're trying to get in the other person's head. Totally. That stuff works. That stuff is always great. Like it, it definitely has been part of the unwritten rules of gaming and competition online. Now is like, those are things that you mm -hmm. wind up doing beforehand. But even beyond like getting into the other player's head, for a long time it felt like, why would I put money into Destiny to get these emotes? Or why would I spend time grinding out the the bright, I think bright dust? I think that's how you buy it in Destiny 2. Like why would I why would I spend time grinding to get the resources to buy these dances if I'm the only person that's ever really gonna see them? Mm, and yep. and it gave you an opportunity in Gambit to to have those those emotes find value where you're like okay now i can show them off to this enemy team you know i can i can push a swing in the rain in front of another team and and now have an opportunity to like really show off and 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 then try to get in their heads through that stuff so it, it actually provided value to the experience of getting those emotes in that game yep agreed jared how about you what, what's a good example of uh, a game that used emotes like what anything stick out in your mind I really like in Dark Souls and Bloodborne, especially when someone invades you and they are getting real cocky about it and they do an emote that they get stuck into an animation and you can just run up and stab mm -hmm. them behind from behind. That, that, that was always fun. Uh, I, I think that for a mostly, I don't know if this is actually true, but like I, would, I would consider those games mostly a single player experience. The decision to add those emotes uh, for, for their online component was really smart. I thought that was a lot of fun. But those games, uh, at least speaking for Bloodborne, they actually did include areas where using emotes, even in single player, had effects. If you waved at the doll, she would respond to you. Um, mm. I remember there's like, and all the names for everything in Bloodborne are now escaping me, but there's a part where you come across a like charred corpse and you get this like weird stance where your character kind of just holds his hands, his or her hands over their head. And then... Later in the game, you can drop this like giant amorphous brain eyeball monster down onto the ground. And if you go stand in front of that monster and you hold that pose for an extended period of time, it then gives you a, a piece of a, equipment or gear or another emote. It's been weird. How so obscure. Long. It is. Oh, no. Don't get me wrong. It is very obscure. And the only reason I know about this is because I had I had looked it up because huh. mm. I, I mean, I finished that game. So I. This is just this is a little story about how Steve plays those games. I don't read the I don't read the uh, uh, strategy guides or anything. I don't I don't go on the FAQs or anything until after I've passed a section to see like oh what was you know like I beat a boss and I see like oh what how was I actually supposed to fight that boss because I've got this like curiosity that builds in my head as I'm getting destroyed by a amygdala over and over again. But that was one of the things that I I had I had learned after I left that area. I was like oh. That's really weird. How would how would anyone know that you're supposed to do this? Very bizarre. On a similar note, in I think it was Divinity Original Sin 2. I can't remember if it was 1 or 2. There were some statues around and if you went and kneeled and prayed at them, you would get like a buff. 
Now, for me, a game that I think used emotes in maybe one of the best ways I've ever seen a game use it is Overwatch. Now, in Overwatch, emotes are specific to each character. And the reason I think they're so good is because they they tell the story of who that character is. Like every mm. single emote in that game, it, it gives you a little more insight, even if it's in a small way, into how that character you know, operates and functions in that world. Oh man. Have you seen the Lucio one where he like whips out like a whole like DJ stand? Oh yeah. It's like the best one. This is so cool. I love Blizzard but, for doing stuff like but that. But even even his maybe his like lesser known ones, right? He does like Capoeira in one of his oh, in yeah. one of his emotes. Um and and that tells you a little something about the, you know, where he comes from and and the values that he holds as a character. And and to me that stuff is really cool. And 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 this is this goes even to just like a sitting emote, right? Like it would be so easy. Well, I say easy. Take this with a grain of salt. I know nothing about game development, but it seems like it would be much easier to just copy and paste the same sitting emote for everyone. But every character in that game takes a seat in a different way. Like the the way that they sit, right? Like Widowmaker, she sort of sits in this sexy pose and McCree, he sits down like you'd expect a cowboy to sit down, you know? Um, Soldier 76 like takes a knee, Cause he's a soldier, you know, like all these things, all these things make sense for their characters in ways that they, they didn't necessarily have to go into those details. But the other thing that they do that I think is really good is by designing the emotes specifically for each character. I think they avoid a certain amount of toxicity. Like obviously teabagging is a thing. Any, any game that has like a crouch function, you could, you can teabag in it. So it exists in, in overwatch, but by, by crafting each of these things, it, it takes that, I think it takes a lot of that desire away from players to engage in in that kind of like vulgar expression. And not that I and not that I'm necessarily always against that, but in a game like Overwatch, where I, I think it would not fit the aesthetic of that game or the player base that they're trying to reach with that game. I think it I think it was really smart to do those emotes in the way that they did. Steve, if you're gonna tell me that when May freezes me and then shoots me in the face with an icicle and does that little wave is not a vulgar expression, then I don't even that know what is, we're talking oh no. about. All right, like, I take back everything I say. Worse than the middle finger. Like, get out of here with that. There is a there's a subreddit just called Watch May Die. <laughs> <laughs> it's stupid little smile. <laughs> oh man! But this goes in kind of in some contrast to Grand Theft Auto, which I had mentioned a little earlier for some of its positive aspects. But one of the things that Grand Theft Auto allows is there's there's a emote where it literally looks like you're jerking off. Lovely. Ooh. And and it fit to me like that fits the tone of Grand Theft Auto. But then I've right. also I've also seen video online where a group of dudes find out that there's a woman on the server and then they all just circle around her and do that emote constantly. You know what I mean? Like, right. like it kind of in, and, and that's, that, you know, that's just one thing that take that with, take that with a grain of salt as well. Like that's just one encounter that I saw, but that by having an emote like that in that game, it invites that kind of interaction. I can agree with that. I mean, it's one of those things that the developers have to be really careful about, right? It's like, if you don't, you you can remove that stuff and and it won't really have any direct effect on the outward world. But when as soon as you do put something like that in, then of course the worst actors are going to use it, right? It's mm-hmm. like it it just lends itself to kind of the way that gaming works at this point, where people will find the worst thing that they can, 
exploit it, use it in the worst way that they think that they can possibly use it, mm-hmm. and then the the kind of community has the course correct, or it doesn't, and then people just leave it. So it's 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 a weird it's a weird deal, right? Where it's just like Rockstar knew that going in, like someone someone had to make the active decision to be like, we're gonna put this jerk off emote. I hope into it, this game. I hope it was. I we hope it was to, in a super corporate meeting. I would love to hear. Yeah, that just like meeting. a sterile business <laughs> yeah. environment. I want the Hauser brothers to have been the persons who like broke that thing down. They were like, "We need jerk off emotes for this game. This game is not going to sell if we don't put that in there." All right, but we and, saw this happen. Turning with... turning to item number thirty two in your itineraries, uh, the jerk off motion. <laughs> like this is this is the thing. This is the, this is things that our stock stock owners yeah. want. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, dude! If it was if it was on a shareholder call, if it was on a shareholder phone call. Like fear like, not, so what's fear on the not shareholders. <laughs> yeah, what's what's on what's on the docket for today? So so guys. <laughs> We figured we can get some ROI on this on this jerk off moment. <laughs> um, but you saw it also kind of happen in the For Honor community too, right? Where they had some death animations that weren't emotes, right? They were death animations, but they looked like, you know, depending upon if you were a female character or not, you'd be like servicing uh, a male character. Oh, mm, yeah, okay. And and they and they fixed that stuff and they took it out and they removed it. But like that was like person hours, right? Like someone had to yeah. take the time to do that wasted time to do it because somebody thought it was going to be a funny joke or they didn't think it was going to be a funny joke and they were just like though this is totally fine like this is okay yeah you know what i mean so <laughs> this, like, is how, this is how human beings behave yeah like this is totally <laughs> fine in the space that we're in and 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 i'm i am of the ilk where i'm like i don't mind stuff like that like i don't mind stuff like that being in the game but you have to know your audience and like if your audience doesn't isn't going to rock with that stuff or the climate right now says these things are a little bit out of bounds and we we're trying to be better about being humans to each other. Like think about the the person power that you just wasted on that dumb emote mm-hmm. to get a quick uh joke in. Well and and it's stupid. I feel like in this conversation maybe I've come off like I'm I'm against things like shit talking or, you know, baiting other players. And I'm not. I just think that as as we have these discussions around these things, like it it would sort of be, I don't know, maybe irresponsible might not be the right word, but I would be failing if I didn't bring up some some of the negative ways that these things could be used. But what maybe hasn't been explored is, you know, if if you are someone online and you have a problem with other characters using the jerk off emote around you, like say you you feel harassed if you see that how you know how do we feel how do the three of us here feel if there were maybe options where you could turn that off on your side of the game where you're not witnessing where you are not the one witnessing it where it's still allowed for people who are okay engaging with that kind of interaction to do that amongst each other but then you have the option to to not be exposed to that is that something that that seems like it would be a good middle ground for for approaching these things i think so yeah yeah I would be down for that. I mean, it's interesting too. Like, if you think about emotes in terms of what we see as usual, the usual default ones that you'll see in a game, there's usually never a no emote. Oh, it's very rare that you'll see a no emote. You'll see a disappointed emote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you'll see like a shaking my head emote, but you don't really see a no emote, right? Mm-hmm. That's just like I don't want this thing. It's rare. You'll see, you'll see all these other kinds of ones, but mm-hmm. I don't remember or really recalling that being an option in most games. And I don't think it's necessarily needed, but I think it would be a thing that, you know, depending upon the game, it would be nice to be able to either, you know, 
get that stuff out of your space and be like, I don't want this and an option yeah. in, in your actual options, or you have a counter emote that's just like, no, <laughs> just, yeah. I don't, I don't want, not, I don't want that. There are some yeah. examples of this, although it's not a hundred percent effective, but uh, like in Hearthstone, you, while these aren't necessarily emotes, but you can like just say little like pre-written uh, phrases to people and you send that to them and they see that. And it's usually people use that kind of maliciously. Sometimes I, most often I'm saying like good game or like good play or something like that. And, uh, but you can get real annoying with it, but blizzard gives you the option to, to squelch that and mute that. So you don't hear, you don't see that stuff anymore. So they can continue doing it. You just don't see it. Um, and I think that's, that's a, that's probably a pretty good way of doing that. Although on a game where it includes animations and character models, it might be uh, a technical challenge to somebody. Emotes have changed quite a bit over time. Obviously, we've seen them go from simple things like pointing, nodding, sitting. And over time, they've, be, they've definitely become more and more complex, like more involved. We've seen the incorporation of a lot more like pop culture in, the, in emotes. In both directions, right? You're seeing real people doing emotes from games and, and vice mm. versa. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point, I mean, video games are becoming such a large part of American culture that you know this stuff certainly does start to go both directions but i think when a, a long time ago Khalif, the first time you were on the show a long time ago being i don't know <laughs> 9 months ago a year ago so. <laughs> <laughs> it feels it feels when i have a 2 year old so everything feels like forever to me <laughs> oh, I'm sure. i mean it's 2018 every oh, day sure. feels like years <laughs> oh true <laughs> <laughs> um, but originally when, when we had talked about doing about talking about this topic, you had brought up the idea that dances in video games could be a form of appropriation. So I was curious, yeah. uh, you know, as dances are pulling from popular culture um, more and more sort of where you where you land in that discussion of, you know, a, as dances are taken from or informed by black culture does that feel like appropriation to you it's really sticky right where i think if you were to ask most folks in black culture who who are a part of the black community about what they determine to be appropriation it'll be a really wide spectrum of answers right mm -hmm. but i think that to a certain extent it's difficult for me in particular to be like this is all appropriation where I do think that there has been, and this is the reason why I think most people are upset, over the years there's been huge swaths of black culture that have been stolen, that have been co-opted, that have been taken, and no credit has ever really been given, right? Mm -hmm. like Elvis is, you know, took so much stuff from black culture that we can't even count it anymore. You can, you can just go back and be like, oh, this, this was a part of black culture that never got talked about. This is a part of it that, got that never got talked about. Mm-hmm. And you see, especially in hip hop music, where it's uh, the conversation has always been about who owns the masters, right? It's like who owns the who owns the work, and who is the people who are the people who get to consume it the most, and who are the people who get to profit off it the most. Um, and Epic, I think, to a certain extent, having met a whole bunch of those folks over the past couple of years, I think that they are really thoughtful about how they want to do this. I'm using them as the biggest example because they are the biggest example. Oh, I would agree. Yeah, they are super honest and careful about i think in terms of how they're kind of approaching it they there definitely could be some more like giving credit to you've seen them do it with some of their content creators where you, they don't necessarily specifically shout them out 
but you can absolutely tell like if you follow the the Fortnite streaming community like who who has an emote in there like ninja has an emote he has this plunger thing sees uh, cdn the third has his positivity thing um so it's like it's a two-pronged conversation where it's like one how do you trademark black culture from the creator side mm-hmm. like i don't think any of the people who made those dances were like this is going to be a thing i'm trying to market it was just a thing that was wound up being dope and put into the ether and then people you know took it and ran with it i think that there may be a way to possibly you know like i'm not gonna say reparations it but like re you know like go back in time a little bit and be like yo this is a thing that i did you know that this is a thing that i started yeah mm-hmm. now you're making crap tons of money off of it let me get a cut you yeah. know, d- like, d- I don't d- think I don't think that that. But then you'd have to cut so many different deals, and we saw this conversation happen with black content on Twitter, right? Where we saw memes and 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 catchphrases and you know stuff. There, I remember there was one some years ago from the woman who who created On Fleek, right? And mm-hmm. On Fleek became a thing that was huge in the world, and you saw Maybelline doing commercials, talking about On Fleek and all these <laughs> other places places doing this stuff. And she was like, yo, what the hell? I didn't get any credit for this. And now you guys are making all this marketing money off this thing. And I was like, but did you go into this thing thinking that you were going to trademark this? Like, did you patent this thing? Did you go like, is there a way to patent a meme? Is there a way to patent or to trademark a catchphrase? You can do it, but there has to be forethought into that thing going into it and being like, I know this thing is, I'm trying to make this thing go viral. Mm -hmm. Let me trademark it ahead of time, and then you have way more. You have way more uh, ability to be like, "This is copyright infringement. You are infringing upon the thing that I created. I have a patent for this thing." Like there are legal ways that you can go about to do that stuff, but no one thinks about that stuff when they're just online at two o'clock in the morning and writing something that they thought was witty. Yeah. So it's yeah. like at that point you have to kind of give that stuff up. That's hard. And that's I'm, okay. I'm sure, like. It gets really sticky when it comes to business and legal implications of that stuff. Dota Two is that also has is full of memes and, and, and cultural references and stuff like that. Uh, and, and oftentimes it's from you know popular esports players and uh, players from all over the world. And usually, like when you get a new emote or a new cosmetic that makes a reference to something or someone, just in like little like hover over description, it'll at least give a nod to that person. It'll say like, "Oh yeah, this is the Dendi emote or the Dendi skin." And I think that is a is a is a decent beginning to you know at least giving credit mm-hmm. where credit is due for some of that stuff. At, at least right. you know they're yeah. acknowledging that yes, we did not create this. You know, Valve did not create this. This is something, and uh, we are we are happy to acknowledge that and i i like that part about that that system i think it really depends again it's like you know how do you dif- how do you how do you define when a thing becomes a thing i do yeah. i mean and then i think i think i mean if if epic wasn't making so much money off this stuff i don't think anybody would care exactly right. but and I, that's the thing is like nobody nobody kind it, of really cares now but is that is that not a big part of what defines appropriation, right? It's like somebody takes something from a culture that doesn't belong to them and then monetizes it in a way that the the culture that it's taken or borrowed from couldn't do. You know, it, it's it's um I mean, going back to Fortnite, right? It's like this might be a terrible example, but it's it it's taking like Michael Jackson's thriller dance and then making the the white guys at the top of that company a bunch of money 
without even mm-hmm. without even like speci- without even mentioning Michael Jackson's name in that you know anywhere in the description for that dance it, is right. that, is that not a big part of what defines appropriation is and <laughs> I I I will I guess. I was going to say preface this, but now I've already dug myself way too into this hole. <laughs> I, am, I am no expert on appropriation. So please, if, if it... I'm not, a, and that's the things like me neither, right? It's yeah. like, it is a very interesting tightrope to walk because I personally believe that there is some parts of everyone's culture that you give up to the universe, right? Mm-hmm. Like once you put a thing out into the world, you're giving it up to the universe. If you did mm-hmm. not necessarily be thoughtful about what that thing could possibly be because no one knows what's going to pop off and what's not going to pop off. So it's like, you know, who gets to determine what that thing is? I mean, I think that, yeah, like it is, it is a real thing to be like, look, we have seen how this works in previous cases and we would like to mitigate some of that damage. So as Epic, we will try to pay people for some of the stuff that they are, that they have constantly kind of put out into the world. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good look for Epic. Like Epic is super smart about that. Like they're like, yo, I'm going to do this work and I'm going to be like, all right, cool. We're going to put these dances in and we know that this is stuff that we got from the internet or we got from people of color or we got from, you know, hip hop music or whatever it is. And for the people who are like there that you can help financially support in that way with now eight, almost 8 million people in your game who are buying a crap ton of emotes. You can throw them. You can throw them a, a deal, like you did a deal with the NFL, yeah. right? Like yeah. Just to license their mm-hmm. stuff. But again, those things are licensed properties from an organization that has the legal structure to do that work yeah. ahead of time. Yeah, that's a huge part. If and I, think- I say something about you know, if I say something about you know, Bracago biscuits, and then that winds up being in freaking Fortnite, like most people know where the hell that came from. Yeah. You know, like you can mm-hmm. find out where that where that thing was. You can find out where the people are who made these dances, but like, did they do any work to protect themselves? Like, probably not. Yeah, and know? that gets and that gets into a whole other legal thing. So I, I'll take a step back. The only reason I bring up that I'm not an expert on this is because if if there's people listening who are definitely more educated on things like cultural appropriation and and want to write in and and correct me or add their own insights, please do. I I, I would definitely encourage that kind of feedback because because I could definitely improve my own understanding on a lot of this stuff yeah as as, as people that group where we did we don't have a great barometer for that <laughs> we're ter- i'm terrible at it <laughs> but you know i think fundamentally i think one of the the easiest ways to identify appropriation is like does something you know can you reference it back to a particular culture is someone making money on that piece of the culture and is any of that power flowing back to the, you know, originator. I think those are sort of like the three components for identifying if something is a, is appropriation. So when I look at something like Fortnite and they have dabbing, right? Like my my uh, five-year-old nephew, he, he dabs all the time. That came out of the hip hop community. You can trace those roots, but they, in the game itself, they don't credit anyone as creating the, you know, that, that dance. And on a, like a cursory glance to me that reads as appropriation because no effort was made on Epic's part to highlight, you know, where that came from. But I, but I mean, and don't get me wrong. I also see your side of it, Khalif, right? Cause there is also any, any discussion about appropriation 
then goes into, well, is it appropriation or appreciation? And then that's where I start to get lost in the mud because I have no, I have no idea. And I mean, I think it can be both, right? Yeah. It can be, it can, it can absolutely be both at the same time. And I think like that, when mm-hmm. people get upset about the stuff, I don't, I don't ever want to diminish that, that, that ability to be upset about that stuff. Cause it's, it's, it is a pattern. It's not like a thing that just lives mm-hmm. in a vacuum. But I do feel like it is one of those things where you have to do your due diligence as a content creator that if you are not safeguarding yourself and being like, yo, if this thing pops off, someone may take it and may use it like then you you can't really be a part of the conversation. Like the cultural conversation that everyone wants to say is real is like we if if, if everything could be in, in a perfect place, like everyone would get credit for everything. Mm hmm. You know, it was like the conversation around sampling back in the day. Yeah. It was like, what does that mean for music? Is that stealing music? Like some of it is stealing music. Yeah. But now there are safeguards against that because you have to pay a crap ton of money for samples. You know what I mean? Like there's mm-hmm. ways that the, the, the systems have gotten so that they can do that stuff. And Epic can be proactive and, and cut people, you know, deals and be like, look, this is a thing that comes from you. We know we've, we have enough people who can do that research and find out that information. And they can throw them some dough. I don't know how much dough would be satisfactory to those folks. I don't know what a cut looks like in terms of that deal. I would love to know. And and this is like what that yeah. looks like. But who be- knows? Because a lot of this stuff, there's not a whole lot of legal precedent set for it. And by the time there is, it's going to be something completely different anyways, right? Like by the well, time and anything, this is, it changes so but quickly. This is, but this is where I kind of start to worry. And we can kind of move a little bit away from the appropriation conversation, but that right now there's not a whole lot of law on the books protecting things like dances. Now you can protect entire productions. Like if you have a huge choreographed dance, like another dance company can't take that and put on their own shows without paying you the rights to use it. But when it comes to little things like, like the floss dance, which I think that was, I think that was like a a meme from a white kid online. I think that was maybe the earliest I had remembered seeing it. But Epic has the money and the resources, I think, right now to do the right thing and, and reach out to these the, the people that created these dances and, and dance moves or whatever it is and make sure that they are taken care of. Because what I worry about is that Epic will do something like take a Beyonce dance and put it in their game and they won't, they won't provide any credit. And Beyonce... She works very closely with her choreographer. Like she, she, she makes very personal connections with the people around her that help create her her image. And I could right. I could see someone like Beyonce and her organization getting litigious in a way that it then establishes a legal precedent moving forward that makes it very hard for other game companies. I'm especially thinking of indie studios who might rely on microtransactions for things like emotes to to operate that's my that's always my fear when it comes to stuff like this is like it's all it's all fun and games until the until lawyers, lawyers show step, up yeah until the lawyers show up and then got to establish a precedent for what it's you know legally what this means moving forward and that's the thing though right is like beyonce has enough money that she can make that fight yeah exactly most folks don't most folks don't have enough money to make that fight exactly like, i know i know the cats who who did the like uh superman dance like soldier boy doesn't have enough money to do that to make that (laughs) you know what i mean like he has like he has a crap ton of money he has a crap ton of money but i don't even think that he would take that and be like yo this is a fight that i'm gonna fight 
it's exactly. dope. You know what I mean? Like it's dope for him because it, then it gets becomes a thing that's like people will see it and they'll just like this is associated with me and I know. But also, m- like meme culture is so fast that does it make sense to even care that much? Yeah. Like that's the reason yeah, why right. I'm just like like is this a fight that people want to fight? Is it more of a, a an ideological fight or is this an actual like we want to make the space better for the next generation of, of content creators or people who are going to be influencing the culture in this way? I'm sure it's a much larger conversation, you know, about how how, you know, independent content creators protect themselves. I think maybe that that is the big picture item there. And it, it isn't limited to, you know, emotes and memes, but a lot of a lot of the ways that stuff gets published now these days unless you're you know a huge huge artist with a big financial backing yeah that's that's the that's the conversation that's been happening in the happening in the hip-hop community forever yeah forever maybe we'll, maybe we'll try and bring this emote discussion to a close Khalif, moving forward how do you think the industry the gaming industry can improve on the way that it incorporates emotes into video games um i mean to, to kind of piggyback off the last part of the conversation i feel like there can be a better discussion about like where you're pulling your inspiration from and trying to make sure that those people are compensated in a way, if there's a way to do so in a, in a reasonable form or fashion, I I'm, I'm curious to see how some of these things are going to start to translate themselves into virtual spaces. And I would say that in not just normal video game form, but actual like VR and AR spaces. Um, Ooh, good thoughts. Uh, cause that's going to be very different, different in exactly. the way that, you know, you interact with people, mm-hmm. uh, where there's, there is this expectation for you to be this disembodied person. Um, but also having a virtual avatar of yourself in the world, that's going to be representing you. So that's going to be interesting to see how that's going to play itself out once VR and AR kind of move in a different direction. Um, and I, and I, and I think it's just a, ma- a matter of like trying to figure out what the conversation is about microtransactions again of like. You know, does this stuff actually benefit the player in a real way besides cosmetic ways? Like, are there ways that you can do emotes or, you know, does that translate itself into another kind of language that we didn't necessarily see coming out, coming about? Like, will people be using emotes in a way in the future, depending upon how they have transformed in a way that actually creates communication and not just one off gestures? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like what? What? Like what? If there was a way that emotes could be turned into their own version of sign language, or something like that? Like, you know, there are things in that space that people I don't think are necessarily checking about, or they have. It just hasn't gotten to the point where the technology has gotten good enough to be able to do that stuff. It's hard to replicate hands and fingers in real ways in in virtual spaces. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that stuff plays out. Like, I think that there's a lot of space in there for it to get better. And also, why does why do you need crouching? in most games like most games don't need crouching <laughs> but like most games you don't need to crouch but your your view goes from up high to slightly lower than up high that's why you crouch. <laughs> yeah yeah How, basically i mean you gotta get you gotta get through those steam vents somehow khalif and yet every yeah, game I mean, still tutorializes that part i know like like you've never crouch, like, like you've, you've never, never played, played a video, video game. game yeah exactly we should do an lower. episode on tutorials I have some things to say about. Oh, you should definitely you should definitely do a tutorial episode. That would be good. Spoiler alert: I um I have been talking to someone about that, so we'll see if we can make that happen. There we go. Nice, um, Jared. How about you? How how do you think the industry can improve on the way that they implement emotes in video games? Similarly to what you guys have already said, I I, I really like the idea of tying emotes into 
you know, the gameplay, making that an important part of just interacting with the game. Like in, in Red Dead Redemption 2, while you can greet and antagonize whoever you want, every NPC in the game, there's not, it doesn't really affect you too much. Uh, but it does add to the immersiveness of that game. And that, that is like one of that game's biggest strengths is that like you feel like a cowboy. Um, and I, I really like that. I think because the game is designed in that way that, that I would like to see some emotes in there, like the tipping of the hat, or I would like to lean up. You and this hat the, tipping, Jared. I, that's all I want. That's all I can think about. <laughs> or, you know, like go outside the saloon and light up a cigarette and like, you know, lean up against the the, the hitching post or something. Um, I bet we'll see that once we get uh, the inter- the multiplayer part of that. Oh, yeah, once you can start to get people spending money on it for sure. So, yeah, I, I don't know. More stuff like that. Just more thought into it. I think I think that there is a lot of unexplored space in this. You know, a lot of times this, these systems seem like an afterthought, just something you can do mm-hmm. while you're, you're idling in the game. Yeah, or a way to monetize. Sure, yeah, or, or a way to monetize, yeah. which isn't a bad thing, you know, especially for indie developers, but... Um, I just think there's a lot of cool things that we can be doing with it, and it's just uh, it's not a high priority. Exactly, but yeah, we'll see. Exactly. I mean, so much of video games are based off of like the the most efficient way to shoot an alien in the face, right? Like, there's so much of video games' attention is focused on domination, but I think emotes provide some kind of proof that that players are maybe interested in doing more. What was it, Khalif? Do you remember the name of that game where you you play as like a dancer, where everything is through dancing? Is that a mobile game? Um, no, no, it was, it was a ballet game. It was like ballet. Is it leap? I want to say like leap or bound, bound, bound. Yep, bound. Yeah. yeah, that was it. So I, I think that there are people who are interested in being able to express themselves in ways that go beyond just shooting things in the face. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I, did, I, th- I forgot to mention cowboy dance off. I'm just gonna leave it that. I guess I'll just leave it there and say like I, there certainly seems to be. Uh, people who are interested in expressing themselves in more ways than just through violence and domination. And I think emotes are a good avenue to explore for, for allowing people to express themselves in different and potentially more meaningful ways. But also going back to our previous conversation, just, just credit the people, just credit the people who made the thing. Like that to me seems like the, like the bare minimum easiest step, right? Like if you take it, if if you're going to include a dance that someone created or a meme that someone created, just, just credit, just put it, put it in there somewhere. Make it easy yeah. to make it easy to find in your game so that that person at least gets a little bit of the love. Cause whoever out there did in- invent the floss dance, whoever it is, man, they, they, they're seeing a lot of people around the country doing the dance that they came up with. And I couldn't even tell you who, who did it. You know what I mean? So mm. that'd be good to see listeners, dear listeners, please. I, I said it earlier. If, if you have any feedback for us on this topic, uh, I know they're a- out there. Anything. I know a few of them. There's there's a few of them. We do, yeah. We I I, I love our, our listeners and, and the people listening to the show have always been super respectful and had great conversations, especially on on like our Twitter and in our emails and stuff. So I, I appreciate all of that. But if you have any feedback for us about emotes or, I mean, literally any of our previous topics, you can always send us an uh, email at podcast at gbfeature.com or connect with us at gbfeature on Twitter. Um, I, f- I feel like I mumbled through <laughs> through all of that. <laughs> it's it's hot in this room, guys. It it's it's I mean it's it's it's, it's turning it's turning into winter here in Arizona, which for us means it's like getting down into the seventies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but this room gets hot. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. 
<laughs> so send, send us email send us messages send us, send us yeah send us an email podcast at gbfeature.com connect with us at gbfeature on twitter uh we love hearing everyone's feedback so please send those along jared let's take a look at at something that uh one of our wonderful listeners sent to us what do we got we got a tweet from mr mischievous on twitter he is talking about our episode with tristan where we talked about open world games open world games uh, Mr. Mischievous says, Tristan's point of open world presence should be a necessity of the mechanics really hits home with titles like Elite Dangerous. Don't get me wrong, I love the game, but it tends to feel like unless I'm exploring, it's just the same instances with infinite skins. 10 out of 10 episode. Thank you, Mr. Mischievous. Yeah, uh, yeah. thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do, I still agree with that sentiment. I feel like if you have an open world just for open world's sake and there's nothing interesting filling it, then then Why? And I, I think this was a sentiment that we all kind of agreed upon in that episode was that having a have a game having a game be open world needs to be a function of the gameplay. Like there has to be a reason to engage with the game with an open world. And that openness needs to to say something about the game. Right. It's it's um, never it's not we're, we're past the point of you see that mountain? You can go there. Yeah, exactly. Like, right. Like that used to be a big, that used <laughs> yeah. to be a big, big deal. It was like, oh, you can go anywhere and do anything. And we are past that point now where like that, that's cool and all, but why? Like what, what's over there? Yeah. Khalif, it, off the top of your head, do you have any games that stick out in your mind for taking like the best advantage of their open world setting? Mm, man. I mean, I mean Skyrim. I mean Skyrim is one of those games that I continuously think about when it comes to having that layer of you can see it, you can go to it, mm-hmm. and knowing that when you hit those different locales that you'll get a semi different exp- experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean that's the stuff that I that I that I still am looking for whenever I play a big open world game. It's just like all right, yeah. when I get to those places, what's the different thing that I'm supposed to be seeing and I'm supposed to go see? Like uh horizon was like that horizon zero dawn was like that it was just like oh if i go over here i'm gonna get a totally different kind of monster that i have to tackle you know what i mean like i'm gonna go over here i'm gonna get this totally different experience in some of those places so that's one i can definitely think of like right off the top of my head like those two were like definitely at the top of my list i think bethesda one of the things they've always done so well is the environmental storytelling because like even if you know why why go to the top of that mountain and there might not be necessarily anything gameplay related up there. You might not get new gear or you might not, you know, find a dungeon or whatever, but guaranteed Bethesda, the thing that they do so well is they, they put something there, you know, like, like a house that's burnt down and you can kind of piece together why it's burnt down by just sort of exploring the area. And that's just like personal satisfaction. So I, yep. I agree with that. I, I, that's one of the things I will always say positively about bethesda's design and games as they they nail that part so well thank you mr mischievous for for writing in i'm I'm glad you're still listening yeah thank you mr mischievous for the email i appreciate that you uh thought the episode was 10 out of 10 i thought that was a good one as well i I gave it that score (laughs) as well (laughs) well i give all our episodes 10 out of 10 but i don't know damn right (laughs) all of our guests are definitely 10s out of 10s i don't know if i'm always a 10 out of a 10 (laughs) (laughs) the weighted average it, it works out yeah yeah. Right. Again, if you have your own feedback for us, send us an email. Email. Jared, did I mention it's hot in here? Send yep. us an email. Podcast at gbfeature.com. That's going to do it for this episode. Before we get out of here, I have to thank our guest, Khalif Adams. Khalif, 
thank you so much for being here again, man. It was it was awesome talking with you again. Thank you so much for having me. Like I love coming through and, and again, like such insightful, uh, really interesting stuff to kind of dig into with you both. And it, again, like congrats on all the work that you're doing. Again, this show was super dope and it's been nice to see uh, just how well everything has been going for you all. So anytime you want me to be on the show, I'm totally down. We got to figure out ways to get you guys on, on spawn on me to come hang out and do some games yeah. and stuff too. That would now, now you're like talking about my dreams here, Khalif. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. <laughs> Dude. Thank you. Thank you for the kind words, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. You, you, your guys are doing like dope, dope stuff here. So, you know, continue to push forward. And if you need anything, let me know. No, we're, and, and we're just, and we're just following you, man. You, you paved the way you're, you're out there doing good work too. Where can people, Find the dope stuff you're doing, Khalif. Uh, you can find us every Tuesday on most of your podcast catchers. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, NPR One, Radio Public, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, and all those all those wonderful spots. Uh, every Thursday, if uh, my computer is working and we're not botching things, uh, you can find us on Twitch at 7.30 p.m. PST. Uh, if you want to check us out on Twitter, at Spawn on Me is a spot. If you want to check me out personally, it's at Kajakins, K-A-H-J-A-H-K-I-N-S. Uh, and yeah, we have some cool stuff coming through. Hopefully for the end of 2018, we're going to try to really start 2019 off fairly strong. So expect a little bit of changes coming from our show in terms of format. We're going to try to spruce things up a little bit because, you know, it's been five years in the game. It's time for a little bit of a switch up. Mix so, it up. Uh, Looking forward to we'll it. Be, we'll be doing some cool stuff. Yeah. Looking forward to it, man. As a reminder, we release new episodes of this podcast every two weeks. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss anything. If you like what we do and you want to help us out, head over to iTunes and give us a review. It's been a while since we've had a review, so I'd like to see I'd like to see some people go over there and do that. If you got if you got five minutes, head over there. Leave us a review. I want to thank Kyle Clark for making our theme song. You can check out his podcast, This Is Rad, on iTunes. I'm Stephen Bennett. That's at Stephen underscore the gamer on Twitter. I'm at Jared Bruner. We want to thank you, the listener, for taking the time to listen to us chat about video games. This has been Game Breaking Feature. Remember, it's okay to disagree. Just don't be a dick about it. All right. I'm doing the floss dance on the way out. No, doing God, it. no, Jared. I'm doing it. They got you. <laughs> they got you too, huh? Yes. No. Damn right. <laughs> Are you following your flossing to the ether? You following your flossing for adults or whatever? Floss away. <laughs> oh, God.